podcast, we've got a very special guest, dear friend of mine, 2013 Australian national champion and 2014 Olympian. Let's welcome to the podcast, Miss Brooklyn Hahn. Hi, Kevin. Thank you so much for having me on today. Of course. Thanks for hopping on. So um, what have you been up to since all this crazy madness happened in March with the COVID pandemic? Well, I am currently living in the DFW area, uh, which is where I was training the last couple of years of my career. And I am in my senior year at Southern Methodist University in Dallas. So once um, COVID really started getting big in early March, um, SMU went online for the second half of the spring semester. So I was still in classes and then over the summer i was supposed to have an internship which fell through so i ended up taking a summer class um and then this fall i've been uh in classes again at smu some of them have been online and some of them have been half online half in person with like rotating groups so they kind of regulate the number of students in the classroom at one time And then I've been coaching uh, a bit and skating as well. Since retiring, I've been working on passing all of my dance tests. Um, So yeah, just kind of doing that sort of stuff. Okay, so that's an interesting one. We can we can hop around a little bit, but you you retired and got back into a different side of skating, I guess you would say. Um, and you're quite good at it, quite frankly, uh, in your ice dance career. How did that just, you just decided one day that this was, uh, my next adventure or how did that come to be? Um, so ice dance has kind of, I've been around ice dance basically since I was a really little kid on the ice. Um, when I was about eight years old, we hosted Natalie Trent, uh, Natalie Buck and Trent Nelson Bond, who were the Australian champions for several years in dance. And they uh, were training at a rink in Connecticut with Natalia Dubova and they needed a place to live. So they ended up staying with us. And um, because they were living with us, Natalia would wanted me to skate with her. So I was skating with, you know, this world level ice dance coach and she choreographed some of my programs for me when I was like at no test, which was pretty funny. Um, and, but I was on the ice with Nat and Trent and then Lauren and David, who were at the time the third ranked U.S. dance team, as well as like a top five Russian team, the top Chinese team, and then some others that would come in and out and train with Natalia. So I kind of grew up around ice dance. Um, but for, I, th- you know, I knowing what I know now and after seeing more partnerships, I understand it. But at the time, you know, Natalie and Trent didn't always get along. And I was like, I don't really feel like, you know, skating with another person. And there's this like, there's a lot going on in a partnership. And I was eight and I was like, I don't want any of this at all whatsoever. So I was like, I'm going to stick with singles. And like at the time it ended up taking me three years to get a single axle. So I have no idea why I decided that that was like, the right path for me with singles um but it is kind of odd to think of right if you're if you're at that age like oh i have to rely on somebody else and yeah holding a boy's hand when you're eight and seven might feel a little odd in that respect too but um yeah when you look back on it you're like oh it could have been something yeah and it was it was I just didn't want any part of it. And Natalia used to make me, if the boys were not getting low enough in their knees when they were skating, their punishment is that they would have to skate with eight-year-old Brooklyn, who was about four feet tall. And we'd go around the rank and we'd do progressives or, you know, she taught me the Dutch waltz for the sole purpose of making them skate the Dutch waltz with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'd go around the rank doing the Dutch waltz and she'd be yelling at them to bend their knees and then she'd go Brooklyn bend your knees more and so I'd bend my knees more and be very pleased with myself and then she'd tell me how wonderful it was and the boys meanwhile were all dying because they were like basically doing wall sets skating around the rank with me <laughs> um but 
then, you know, fast forward several years um, and, you know, I was training down here and it was kind of the twilight of my career. And I realized that, you know, I was going back to school. I was going to finish my degree and I was going to have some time on my hands. And, you know, I always wanted skating to be part of my life. And it seems like, you know, it's a form of exercise that I really enjoy. You know, if I had the choice between, you know, being on an exercise bike for an hour or running for an hour or skating for an hour, of course I would choose skating. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was like, well, maybe I'll test my dances when I retire. And Logan Gillette Schmidt moved down to the area about six months after I did. And so one day we're talking about it. I was like, yeah, maybe I'll test my dances when I'm, you know, done competing. And then we get to 2019 and I rupture my Achilles and I was back on the ice, I think mid April, end of April. Yeah. And a couple of weeks after, you know, I could do three turns, I could do crossovers. It was very rudimentary because I had very little stability and uh, movement in my left ankle. But Logan was like, well, if you want us to really test your dances, like we could definitely start. I was, I had tested my preliminary dances when I was 11. Yeah. When I was 11. So we were starting at pre-bronze. And so I think I worked with Logan like three times and then we tested my pre-bronze patterns. And then about, you know, five, six weeks later, I tested my bronze and silvers and by last February, I tested all through my golds, and so far I've tested seven of my internationals. Um, but you know, dance has always been a discipline that I really, I had a lot of respect for and enjoyed watching. Um, just I love you know the storytelling ability, um, and also you know the time when Matt and Trent were living with my family and I was kind of when Tanith and Ben were really taking off, and so dance was on the TV more and then we had Marilyn Charlie. And so it was my interest kind of grew with that. Um, and because I knew people that were in it and it's been a lot of fun to learn these dances and to learn patterns that I grew up getting in the way of when I was eight years old and I was on the ice with four senior dance teams. Um, How's the the learning curve? I know, like, talking to some of your former training mates, like in Amber Glenn, you know, it takes so long to learn certain elements, even if it's a a double jump, a triple jump, or whatnot, that there is a learning curve, seemingly when you're younger, too, versus how is it when you're older? Is it a little different, easier, maybe? Um, I definitely say the hardest thing at first was picking up steps because I was good at picking up choreography, but the choreography came naturally out of the music. Whereas these steps are like prescribed and I have to do them in this timing, like on this section of the ice and you have to count. That's what everyone's uh, like. Yeah, oh, I, I forgot have... how to count. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Counting was definitely new and very scary. Um, especially when you get to silver, you have to solo your patterns. So you test them partnered and then you test them solo as well. Mm-hmm. And the first time I had to solo a pattern at a test session, I was out there by myself and I was completely freaked out. I was like, this is terrifying. I am all alone out here. And I was like, hold on a second, Brooklyn you're a single skater. You should be used to skating alone. Right. But I was like, but I have to count now. So, you know, once I kind of worked through that, um, I've been getting a lot better at picking up steps quickly. Um, I also have figured out how to read the rule book diagrams, which definitely helps because mm-hmm. Logan and I get less frustrated with me because I can figure <laughs> out the steps on my own a little bit. Um, but it's, it's definitely a very different way of skating than skating as a freestyle skater. Um, and just the way you move is very different. Mm-hmm. But I was lucky that I kind of grew up around that. And I did work with a lot of dancers. Um, so I knew how somewhat how to skate like that. I just, you know, chose not to because it required far more effort than skating like a freestyler. Yeah. Um, and I could put that effort instead into doing triples and doing all my spins. Um, 
but it's it's definitely it's very different it's gotten a lot easier this summer um tim zelensky who's a very good friend of mine and former training mate he came to visit and he had mentioned he wanted to test some dances um so and we were having a big dance test session while he was going to be here so i was like okay tim this is a great opportunity like if you want to do this let's do it and so we tested his preliminary and pre-bronze patterns and working with him and Tim's a great skater, phenomenal edges, mm -hmm. um, just an all around fantastic skater. But seeing him try to skate like a dancer, it was really eye opening to f see how much my skating has changed, you know, in the past year, 18 months since doing more dance um, and just how quickly things have changed, little things have changed that I didn't even notice. Um, but yeah, it's it's been fun. But something you would could recommend to any of the single skaters, right, that are out there even still competitively competitively skating right now. Is to dabble, sure. dabble in it a little bit. Yes. My body awareness and body control and understanding of how you know, a slight change in where my weight is balanced on my foot or on my body, how that impacts what happens with a turn or with a jump. I'm when I coach singles, I am far more aware of body positioning and how that's, you know, affecting my students' ability to jump or do a spin or even, you know, a moves in the field test. Um, so I would definitely recommend it. Um, you know, if you finish through senior moves in the field and, you know, you have the opportunity to learn some pattern dances, and, you know, you normally have that half hour of time chunked off once a week to work on your moves in the field. Use that half hour to learn some dances. I think it would be a great way to kind of continue progressing your skating skills. Uh, well said. You're never done learning. Um, so, yeah. Let's, uh, let's hop back to a little Brooklyn uh, back in uh, Connecticut. And you were, were you born in Connecticut? You were... Uh, have Australian roots. Kind of tell me about your upbringing there. Um, so I was born north of Boston, um, and we lived there for a couple of years, and then lived in southern New Hampshire for a year. Um, and then when I was about five, we moved to Connecticut. Um, so I started skating originally in kind of the north of Boston, Haverhill area. Did your parents have um, any connection to skating? So my, um, my parents are both heavily involved in equestrian sports. My dad was the junior young rider reserve champion of Australia. And my mom worked for Tad Coffin, who won the gold medal in the 76 Olympics for Team USA in eventing. Um, and my parents met through horses. Um, but my mom and my grandmother loved watching skating on tv um and my mom growing up north of boston in the winters they you know they would skate on ponds and play pond hockey um so she had skated a little as a kid a little bit as a kid for fun um but they took me to stars on ice when i was very very little and um one of my mom's favorite stories to tell is I was about two years old and we were at a friend's house and the kids were in one room watching TV and the adults were in another room. And I marched into where my parents were and proudly tell them that Scotty was on the TV. And so they all went in to look and see what I was talking about. And Scott Hamilton was skating. Oh, there you go. Um, and so I was completely smitten with skating um, from a very young age. And when I was about four, I ended up on the ice finally for learn to skate um and i did learn to skate and then we ended up moving to connecticut my dad's job moved to new york um and so i was skating skated in brewster new york and i've it's funny um we've been going through some old vhs tapes just kind of cleaning things out as one does during a pandemic apparently and yeah. um it's been a lot of fun to see me through the years at Brewster because Brewster's a rink that 
you know, I really, that's really kind of where my career started, um, where I started skating more and more, but even throughout, as I progressed and started skating at different rinks, and even when I moved down to Texas, if I went back to Connecticut, I would go and train there, so it's kind of been my uh, home base that has, uh, that I've always had, which has been fun. And you've got some um, good memories there. So do you remember back and it it sounds like you would have, but did you love it at first or was this something that you were like, Oh, it looks great on TV, but in person, I don't know. No, I, I loved it right away. Um, I think what also helped is my mom sewed, uh, polar fleece padding into the bum and knees of my skating pants. <laughs> so when I fell over, it wasn't a big deal. And like the other kids would fall and cry. And I was like, what's the deal? This doesn't hurt. There's padding. She's, she's like ahead um, of her game. That's like a thing now, you know, for little kids. And you had that yeah. all done up. Look at that. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, I had these little red polar fleece pants that had like extra polar fleece sewed in as padding so i think like i loved it but there was i wasn't afraid of it in this way that some kids get afraid of it because when i fell over it didn't bother me um so smart um so with two parents that are both both into uh, equestrian and horseback riding and all that how did they how did you strike a deal saying not i'm i'm good i'm gonna go skate instead or did you do both when you were young um, I did both. Uh, I was uh, very lucky and that uh, I got to do all sorts of things when I was little. Um, and I still have my pony. He lives up with some very good friends of ours at the moment um, in Haverhill, Mass, north of Boston. But I was riding the first time I was on a horse. I was six weeks old. Oh, okay. um, wow first time I competed I was 20 months old um so horses were a huge part of my life as a kid and you know even I remember it was a couple weeks out before the Olympics and I was out mucking the paddock with my mom and I was like I think I'm probably the only winter Olympian who's currently mucking stalls right Um, but uh yeah horses have you know they've always been part of my life and uh i really do enjoy riding um but i think when i was about six years old i i also played the violin and so i went to my mom and it's like okay look it figure skating's a young person's sport so i have to do that now like if i'm gonna go to the olympics that has to be my priority mm-hmm. there are people that ride in the olympics like into their 60s like I can put that on hold a little bit and then work towards that. And I can play my violin at Carnegie Hall, like whenever that's like always an option. So, uh, from a very young age, I, I kind of made skating a priority and, um, you know, my parents instilled in me that like, yes, this was a privilege that I got to skate. And if I wanted to continue it, I had to work hard and show them that I was engaged. Um, there wasn't really any pressure to, you know, have win medals or be successful. It was just, you know, I had to be dedicated and I had to work hard. Um, and I wanted to, so yeah. So that dedication, at what age, if you can recall back, was it like, uh, I'm actually pretty good at this. And I'm going to go kind of both feet in to sort of say uh, Um, competitively and whatnot. I think when I was really little, so like between the ages of six and nine, I was was competing very well and doing well. And it was, you know, it was what I wanted to do. And then I kind of, when I was seven-ish, I started working on my single axle, which took me three years to finally figure out. Um, That's right, yeah. And that was kind of a bit of a road bump. Um, And then, you know, I was competing at the juvenile level and I wasn't very successful. And 
my coach that I had been working with, the one who had finally managed to help me figure out the single axle, um, had had a baby and was kind of stepping away from coaching. And I was trying to find another coach and I was working with this one woman and it just, it wasn't working out. Um, and I had qualified for State Games of America uh, that year. And my mom said, you know, look at, we can go to State Games of America. That can kind of be it. And, you know, why don't, why don't you go and skate in Simsbury, Connecticut at International Skating Center and do a week of camp there and just have fun. And, you know, maybe you'll learn some stuff and that'll help you at State Games. So I went to camp in Simsbury and that was where I ended up meeting Sergey, who was my coach for nine seasons um, and the one who kind of brought me from a really horrible juvenile level skater, um, you know, to the Olympics uh, in a couple of years, which is, I don't know how we did it, but we did. Um, and yeah, I was 12 years old and I had already been, you know, pretty dedicated to skating, but it was kind of really when things kind of took off. Um, Sergey was up in Northern Connecticut and we ended up finding a rink that was kind of in between for both of us. It was still an hour away from where I was, we were living and I was going to school. I was in, I graduated from public school. Um, and was in public school my entire grade school career. Uh, and while I was competing internationally, um, but yeah, that was kind of really when things kind of kicked up a notch. So do you remember your first, uh, well, let's just say kind of dabble in that connection with the Australian Federation. Did, did someone, um, recommend you using your connection to Australia with your father to, uh, skate for them or, or how, so how does that even, how does that come to? Um, so my, as I previously mentioned, my dad was a junior young rider champion in Australia, but he never had the opportunity to represent Australia internationally. So about the time when I told everyone that, you know, I needed to focus on skating first and then, you know, worry about going to the Olympics and riding and playing my violin at Carnegie Hall. I also decided that I wanted to, um, represent Australia because my dad never had had the opportunity to. And um, so that was about when I was five, six years old. And then Nat and Trent were living with us and we contacted the Federation and were like, look, you know, we have an eight-year-old who maybe one day hopes to represent Australia. Like she's here, she exists, you know. And they said, okay, great, you know, contact us, you know, in the future when, you know, more of a junior, novice junior level skater. Um, and so the deal was is that if I could get two triples, mm -hmm. I could, you know, start representing Australia. Mm -hmm. And I... Um, you had that mindset I, when you were eight, that I'm going to go represent Australia. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I was very ambitious. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I don't remember what I was doing when I was eight. Definitely not wanting to represent the U.S. in anything. Uh, yeah, I, I was I was ambitious, and I think my parents were like, okay, that's great, sweetie. Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll do that. And I think that's why the deal was <laughs> triples, because at the time, I couldn't even land a single axle. So they were like, yeah, no, that day's never happening. We right, don't have to. Right, yeah. <laughs> Um, but to them. everyone's, yeah, exactly. To everyone's complete shock, the day actually did arrive. Um, and so we kind of were talking to the Federation a little bit and I went over for a summer ranking competition, um, which is kind of similar how they use, um, like Philadelphia or Broadmoor or, uh, uh, Glacier Falls in the U S, um, to kind of pick out skaters possibly to fill JGP spots. Mm -hmm. I went and competed at this event called Winter Sun uh, in Brisbane. And uh, I think Australia that year had three junior Grand Prix slots for ladies. And I won the event there and ended up with two of the JGP spots. Um, and I debuted on the junior Grand Prix in September of 2010. 20 so 2010 how 
can you talk about the the rush going into that kind of the big stage there yes and it was it was my first international um and so i had known people that had done junior grand prix um Nikolai Sorensen and his former partner, um, Kate, I forget her last name, but they skated for Denmark and they were training uh, in Connecticut with Matthew Gates at the time. And uh, they had done some JGPs and then Alina Malevskaya, who skated for Ukraine, um, she's uh, a couple weeks older than me, which in ISU terms means she's a year older than me. So she could debut, she could start competing before I could on Junior Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she had done some. But at the time, the JGP didn't have the same coverage that it does now. Yeah. So I kind of had an idea of what to expect, but I also had no clue. And I didn't know, like, we were, there was an Instagram, like, we weren't aware what other people were doing in other places. Um, so I didn't know what the quality of skating would be. I didn't know if I was, you know, I knew I wasn't going to be the best at all. Um, you want to know where you would sit, right? Yeah. It's like, but yeah, expectation of where am I, where am I in the big things? Yeah. It wasn't, I, I knew, um, I definitely know I was not going to be, you know, top five material, but was I going to be the worst? I didn't know. So um, I kind of went into it as just like this learning experience. And I just wanted to go and enjoy my time and just skate to the best of my ability. And my short program there was really, it was really good for me at the time. Um, mm-hmm. It was a clean program. And I remember finishing that skate going, I just skated clean at my first international. That's pretty cool. My free skate was not stellar, um, but I ended up top 10, which was better than I expected. Uh, so I was really happy, but it was, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun and it was a great chance to kind of, just get out there and see, you know, see what, what other skaters from other parts of the world were doing. Um, and, you know, make some friends. And then, you know, also some of the people that I was there with, uh, one of them was Tim. Um, and then Mervyn Tran, who's also a good friend. Mm-hmm. Um, but people like, uh, well, it was one by Adelina Sotnikova who, go on to win yeah olympics so it was it was a fun event and i got to make some friends and kind of see what was out there well that's awesome um how i'll fast forward a a little bit but um is it 2011 and 2012 you had the jgp in australia we had the jgb in, uh, in australia in 2011 2011 how how cool was that to be able to kind of be at home per se that was a lot of fun um it was it was a fun event it was kind of fun to welcome the world to australia um i know everyone was super excited to be there um and it was also great for the skating community in australia to have the opportunity to see you know, skaters from around the world. I think it was a huge source of inspiration for a lot of the younger up and coming skaters as well to Mm -hmm. kind of see what this JGP was and, you know, if they worked hard and, you know, improved and was successful, you know, they too could get to compete at one of these events. And I think that was really fantastic for them. Um, And that was, Another reason why we were so excited to host uh, Four Continents in 2021. Obviously, that's not happening. Yeah. Um, I think we do have it in 2023. Um, but there is more TV coverage of figure skating in Australia the past couple of years, which is great. Um, you know, we've also had some really, really big successes, um, which has been fantastic and more and more skaters on the Grand Prix. Um, how is skating but, there in general, like uh, that you've seen 
I know you train mostly here in the U.S., but um, you know, having that background and the connection, is it is it a sport that's growing down there? It definitely is growing. Um, it's, I mean, just the, in the past decade, the quality of skating uh, has improved immensely, and you know, there we might not have the same numbers as another federation in terms of overall number of kids skating, but you know, there are more and more people doing triples and, you know, the kids are really inspired to work hard and they've seen, you know, the successes of skaters like myself and Kalani and Brendan Carey um, and Harley and Katya and um, Danielle O'Brien and Greg Merriman and you know how before you know the four of us went to sochi and then we had another uh three disciplines again represented in uh 2018 so it's you know the kids are seeing that it's possible that you know they can if they they work hard and they really devote themselves and dedicate themselves to their training that they can make it happen for themselves too so you definitely made a made a name for yourself in 2013 when you got Australian uh Australia when you got Australia that Olympic spot uh Nebelhorn trophy am I correct was the qualifier that year yes I had had a chance at worlds mm -hmm. um but that was the first year at worlds that there was qualifying scores um so I was just super excited to be there, if I'm being honest. Um, it had been a struggle all season to try to get those scores. Um, and I was dealing with a stress fracture. So I was really excited to be there. And then I missed qualifying by one spot. And so it was, oh. it was very upset. But at the same time, I had to look at the bigger picture. Like, yeah. isn't it fantastic to be at your first Worlds and to make the free skate and have like two personal best skates um so i ended up at Nebelhorn to qualify the spot and uh it was i was very well prepared for that event um i had been training very well uh and so i was i knew in the short program i wanted to set myself up as well as i could um and just I wanted to be within that, the, the group of six that were getting spots. And so I ended up in that group. I did not have a great short program, mm -hmm. um, but I was very confident in my free skate and went out and more or less skated like I did in practice. And I remember um, at the end of the program, I had my... I was competing both junior and senior. And so the week after oh, that <laughs> event, I was going to a JGP uh -huh. in Czech Republic. And so we had put my choreo sequence at the very end of the program. So we could like just take it out when necessary. <laughs> yeah. Two different and programs so I, you have to kind of keep in your head. Yes. Yeah. And so I landed my last jump and I was going into the choreo sequence at the very end of the program and it was like this moment and there's a photo of it um that was on ice network back in the day mm -hmm. um and i'm in my big back spiral and it's just like i just did that i think i have a spot um and so it was it was a huge relief it was very nerve-wracking but it's uh but you it, did. it was yeah it was probably one of the performances and events that i'm most proud of um, I had to do a little homework and research, but digging in, uh, so on that podium, uh, Nebelhorn in 2013 was, uh, training mate, Ashley Kane, uh, who at the time you weren't training with, right. But did you know of her at the time going into kind of your transition post, uh, post Sochi? Yes. Yeah. Um, I knew Ashley a bit. Um, obviously, I knew her dad, Peter, as well. He, uh, you know, skated for Australia and represented Australia in 1980 with mm -hmm. his sister, Liz, who I knew very well. Um, yes, yeah. Small world. I just thought that was pretty interesting. Yes, it is very small world. <laughs> so 
let's let's go forward now you qualify for the olympic spot um at, at any point though from eight-year-old brookley who was so determined to represent australia <laughs> was there any doubt that ever crossed your head that's like you know what it's just this is too far away this is too far-fetched does that does that doubt ever cross um, your mind yes i think probably when i was 12 and I went to New England regionals as this horrific juvenile um, that was getting like level ones on her spins and could barely stand up on a cheated double lutz. That it was like, yeah, honey, I don't think this is going to happen, but <laughs> like, let's keep working. You never know. Stranger things have happened. Um, and that's basically, you know, kind of what Sergey and I did. It was just kind of nose to the grindstone, just one step at a time. Let's just keep improving and keep improving. And, you know, one thing led to another, which led to another. And, you know, then we found ourselves, you know, on the ice in Sochi. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, I, I tell kids all the time, yeah, you really never know. Life, life has a lot of to twists and turns and you may go down another road than some others, but you never know when you're gonna, yeah, arrive in such a magnificent place with the Olympic rings. Um, let's let's get into it. Let's talk about that. I know that seems to be a flavor of our podcast with a lot of people going to Sochi. But uh, um, how was your experience overall in uh, in the village there? Um, did you eat at the McDonald's? I did eat at the McDonald's, but only after I was done. And I think it was because <laughs> I wanted ice cream. And that was like the only place I could get ice cream. Fair. Um, yeah. But it was, you know, the Olympics was a, it was a great experience. It wasn't necessarily, you know, you have, as a kid growing up, you have this image of what the Olympics is and how you're going to be on this at center ice, finishing your program. And it's going to be like, the most amazing thing you've ever done mm -hmm. and i did not skate stellarly um in sochi i made a very silly mistake in my short program um and then my free skate was was okay it wasn't fantastic um but i think you know in that short program i messed up my triple toe and that was supposed to be my combo and then i ended up having to think on my feet very quickly as I went into my triple loop to put my combo on that. And I think that was in that moment, I showed how resilient and how much of a fighter I was and what I could do under pressure. Um, and I think that spoke a lot to my character and, you know, it's, while it wasn't necessarily like my dream performance, I think it was very much indicative of who I am as a person. Um, so, you know, it's, it's taken me, took me a while to kind of forgive myself for stepping out of a triple toe. Oh, it's tough, um, tough in the moment. Right. And I think that's, that's, you said it right there. A lot of people, you know, have this aspiration of it, but it is just a moment in time, mm -hmm. you know, talking yeah. with, uh, Dylan Moscovich was like, so what? It happened, and and life continues, right? Exactly. But yeah. Could you take it all in, you know, and, and be able to do something like think on your head quick and and kind of save it in that respect, and you know, so you don't have to get lost in that perfection, I guess, mm -hmm. of the Olympic yeah. dream or whatnot. Yeah. Exactly. And. You know, I, I remember I had this spiral into my triple loop and I was like, you know, that triple toe could be your Olympic moment or this next like 10 seconds <laughs> could be your Olympic moment. And I was like, let's choose the next 10 seconds. There you go. Um, How is that taught, by the way? I know like there's a lot of skaters and, and you're just all very... I'll say smart in that respect in that you're able to think so quickly when you skip something like a combo to tack it on here or put something else there. Is that something that you've ever gone through like scenario a scenario B with your coaches? Um, we have a little bit, uh, when I was younger, Sergey would have me do combos on every single 
jump in my program. And if it was already a combo, I had to do another double loop or another double toe on it. Like that was the deal. So I was doing combos on everything, but I knew when I competed that like certain ones were it and other ones were not, Mm -hmm. but that having that practice gave me the confidence to be like, Oh, well, if I miss it there, I can just do it there. Like I do it every day there. What's the big deal? Um, yeah, (laughs) but he, I think there was only one time where I, once I kind of got to junior and senior, we stopped doing that because it was just exhausting. Um, but there was one day where I added an extra combo and it was at home at practice. And as soon as I did it, I looked at him because he used to follow me around when I would do my program and he would help get kids out of the way. But like he was, he always skated my program with me, which I find myself doing now with my kids, which is pretty entertaining. Um, (laughs) That's cool. Yeah. But I looked at him as soon as I did it and I was like, I shouldn't have done that. And he was like, just keep going, keep going. Fight through fatigue. um, Yeah. Yeah. But it's definitely something that we kind of go over with coaches. Um, And you, I kind of grew up as the IJS was developing, um, Mm -hmm. especially as it was kind of entering in lower levels. So I kind of grew up with the system and figured it out as it was figuring itself out. Um, Yeah. So we would go over things like that and, you know, every year, you know, back in like 2008, 2010, 2012, spin rules were going through massive changes every season. Um, So we'd have to figure out new spins every year and, um, I think having that background with that and it, it's helped me become very comfortable with IJS. So, you know, when something like that happened at the Olympics, I was able to think on my feet and immediately know what to do without really having to think too much about it. Yeah. Um, were there any, were there any moments at the Olympics that kind of stand out to you? It can be outside of skating, you know, whether you, you, you're in the Australian house or you're just out with friends in the village or something. Was there anything that kind of dawned on you that was like, uh, I kind of made it kind of deal? Um, I mean, it was it was a whirlwind. It was a lot of fun. Uh, there was walking in the opening ceremonies was was a lot of fun. It was very special. Um, and it was uh because of the way things work and how like each country only has a certain number of passes um, because the stadium was in our village in the coastal village Mm -hmm. uh, where all the kind of indoor sports were. So figure skating, short track, uh, speed skating and hockey and curling. Um, And Australia only had seven athletes in that village we all marched and then our coaches uh, also all got to march with us, which was a lot of fun. Um, But, you know, there was the four figure skaters with Danny, Greg, Brendan and I, and we were all good friends. And so it was fun to kind of be there with them. And it was fun to share the experience with our coaches as well. Um, And then the closing ceremony as well, uh, the four of us, I remember went in together and that was a lot of fun. and between the opening ceremonies and when I competed, I actually went and trained in Oberstdorf mm-hmm. uh, because we only had a half hour of ice a day and we had like 10 days yeah. um, before everyone, we competed. That's what everyone said. There was quite a gap. From yes, it was, it was a big gap. And the ladies were the last discipline to compete. So we had a big wait. Um, so I went to Oberstdorf to train and Carolina Costner was training there with Michael Huth at the time. And so Carolina and I were on the training on the same sessions every day, which, you know, Carolina was a skater and is a skater that I've looked up to since I was very little and, you know, would watch her on TV at Worlds. And um, when I was at my first Worlds in 2013, we were all waiting for the bus at the airport and she comes over and sticks her hand out and she goes, hi, I'm Carolina. I skate for Italy. And I was like, uh, yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but she's super, super sweet. Um, and just one of my all time favorite skaters. And so training with her that week was so much fun. Um, just getting to see her skate every day. Uh, and there was one moment where I was, I was running my program, my music was on, but like, I was on the ice with Carolina and she was skating and I was going to give her the right of way because like she's Carolina and I was going into a triple sow and she was spinning and I like kind of did this really weird pattern to get my jump in and I finished the program and she comes over and she's like you could have told me to get out of the way I didn't see you it would have been fine and I was like no that's that's really okay you're you're good I, I went around we're all cool here um, but that was a lot of fun. And then, um, I think the moment when it really kind of hit me that like I was at the Olympics, uh, was right before my short program where I was getting on for my six minute warm up. and, uh, Isadora Williams who skates for Brazil. Mm -hmm. She was right after me and we had qualified together at Nebelhorn and, um, we kind of both looked at each other and we're like, Oh my God, we actually did it. We're like here, this has yeah. happened. Yeah. And it was, that was a very cool moment. Oh, that's awesome. And, and to, to get to go through that experience with, uh, what do you want to call your mentor or, um, an icon in the sport is what I'm looking for. You know, it's pretty cool. It's very special indeed. Yeah. So post Sochi, you get back home. Um, when did you decide to move down to Texas where you're currently at? Was that for school uh, or skating? I, uh, so after the Sochi season, um, I competed two more years training in Connecticut. Um, I was at school at Wesleyan university in Middletown, Connecticut as well. Mm -hmm. So I was balancing college career with skating. Um, which was challenging, but also rewarding at the same time. Um, but I kind of made the decision to move to the DFW area uh, in like August of 2016. Um, Sergey had been, you know, a huge, a huge part of my life and my career and there's no way on earth I would have done all that I had accomplished without him and his help. Um, but it just kind of got to the point where our relationship wasn't necessarily working too fabulously anymore. Um, and I, I felt like I needed a bit of a change. And so I ended up here in the DFW area. Um, and, you know, it was great. I had never really had training mates when I was, when I was really little, I did. I had a bunch of great little skating buddies. And then when I was like 14, 15, there was a group of us that were all skating, but I was getting more serious and starting to compete internationally. And they were starting to test out and realize that high school was a lot of fun. And I was like, okay, that's great. I don't think so, but you can have fun there. Um, so it got to the point when I was about like 16, where I was, training with mostly munchkins which at the time i didn't have a great attitude about i was like it's tough to stay motivated right that's like it was big... it was hard to stay motivated and eventually i learned to appreciate you know watching them work really hard to land their single axle or watching them really work really hard to pass their you know pre-juvenile moves and you know, appreciate that for, you know, what it means to them. But as a 16 year old, I wasn't necessarily capable of that apparently. Um, and it was, it was tough training by myself all of a sudden, you know, going from having a group of friends to then being by myself. Um, so when I moved down here, it was great to have some people to train with that were working towards the same goals as I was. Um, and, you know, one of the best finds of moving to the area was um, my choreographer and one of my coaches, Evgeny Nemirovsky. Um, and Evgeny, uh, we were working, he choreographed uh, a new long program for me when I moved down here. And I had kept my short program from the previous season and we were working on fine tuning it one day. And he was like, Prickly, who even choreographed this for you? 
Like, where did this program come from? And I was like, oh, my, my coach, Sergey. And he was like, wait, Sergey Vipan? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, oh my gosh, I coached him when he was little. Oh, and so funny. we found out that, you know, I, I didn't know anything about Evgeny's background. I just knew that he was Evgeny. Yeah. Um, but he had worked with Galina Smirskaya and he choreographs uh, Oksana Bayol's Olympic free skate, Victor Petrenko's Olympic programs, as well as programs for um, like Yuri Simbaluk and Vlad Petrenko. Um, but, you know, some of his first, like the first kids that he really got to work with were the Vipan brothers, Yuri and my coach, Sergey. And it was just, you know, it was kind of like this full circle moment. And, you know, Evgeny and I have a great relationship and partnership. And he was, Natalia was the one that really kind of opened my eyes to the ability to tell a story on the ice and helped me fall in love with that aspect of skating. Um, but over the years, as I got more focused on the technical side of the sport, which I definitely needed to do if I wanted to achieve the goals that I did, mm -hmm. I kind of lost some of that passion and interest in the more artistic side of the sport. And yeah. Evgeny really helped me find that love and that passion again that I had lost. And it was, you know, it, it's, I love working with him and it's, it's, it was a lot of fun to get to create the programs I did with him. That's kind of funny. I had no idea either. Um, just kind of his past history. Same thing running into him at the rinks was like, oh, it's Evgeny. Awesome guy. Yeah. Love to go to lunch or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, I, you know, you yeah. don't think of anything of it, but. Uh, yeah. yeah and he, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't advertise that at all. But he, he's, it was one of the other coaches. It was Pierre who told me mm. that, oh, yeah, Evgeny had like, he did Victor's pr programs and Oksana's programs. And I was like, oh my God. But, you know, he is a fabulous choreographer and a really awesome, really nice man. Um, that, yeah, I, I loved getting to work with him. So the move to Dallas is definitely quite a uh, change of scenery, I would say, from a, uh, especially this time of year in Connecticut. I think there's a nor'easter going through there. Um, what what do you find that you just love about Dallas or did you miss anything from home um, back in Connecticut? Um, you know, I, Connecticut's a lot more rural than the DFW Metroplex. Um, so, you know, I miss kind of the rolling countrysides and the hills and all the trees and the, you know, the wooded areas. It's, there's just a lot of people in DFW, which it's a city, so I get that. Um, but I occasionally will go up to Oklahoma City <laughs> to test some pattern dances. Um, yeah, and I like that's pretty rolling hills out there, that's for sure. Yes, it's it's a it's a three hour drive, but I get to see hills and trees, which is great. <laughs> um, but I, on a day like today, when they're getting you know sixteen inches of snow, I definitely don't miss that at all. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a neat city. It's a neat area. Uh, I like going to the rodeo. Um, you know, growing up with horses, it's it's I appreciate seeing horsemanship in all forms and mm -hmm. you know watching. Uh, it's not even like watching bronc riding or bull riding, but watching the cowboys that then have to go and you know, on horseback, get the bronc and, you know, bring it back in after, you know, the eight seconds is up. Mm -hmm. Watching their horsemanship and their ability to work is really incredible. Um, and, you know, when I was little, I also liked to pretend that I was barrel racing on my pony. So <laughs> I have no appreciation for that. But uh, yeah, that's a lot of fun. Um, it's definitely a slower pace of life down here um which you know has its pluses and minuses um I, you know i appreciate the dedication to sport across any and every sport that they have down here which is yeah something i appreciate um yeah yeah it's yeah. different dallas is it's very keen on their sports and 
big city life, right? To a certain extent, you can still get away from it. Yes. Yeah, you can. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very different, but I, I do like it down here. It's not somewhere that I, as a kid ever thought I would be living. Um, so it's, it was, it, it was interesting to get out of new England and it's also helped me gain a new appreciation for new England and that whole region of the country. So is, uh, 2019 kind of approach 2018 2019 um you're training you're training texas uh kind of injury bug bites and seem to bite back i remember at was it four continents right in in anaheim yeah uh, i remember uh, a little visit from brooklyn up in the concourse that hey, i don't know if this is gonna go well and i think it was a text from mom that was like it didn't go well pretty much something, <laughs> something to that extent um yeah did you did you know kind of that season that it, it was kind of coming to an end or was it kind of a rough end um, in that respect? So I kind of I knew that that was going into that season. I knew like that was the end. I it was time for me to um, I went back to school that year. I had transferred to SMU and I was going part time, mm-hmm. but I was I knew that I kind of if I wanted to get going on the next phase of life I needed to finish my degree and the only way I could do that in a timely fashion without taking 86 more years to get through school (laughs) was the 10-year game that's what everybody's on these days I hear it's a hot thing (laughs) yeah that's that's about how many years it's taken me to get through college um but I knew that you know if I wanted to get to the next goal I needed to like this was this was going to be it Um, and I was okay with that. I was, you know, I had accomplished a lot in my career. Um, I kind of had been hoping to get to 2018 Olympics. I had a couple of rough seasons and then I ended up with a stress fracture during the Olympic season, um, in my right talus, uh, which kind of put a hamper on things, but, uh, you know, so I, and I, you know, I knew my body was kind of getting up there. I was, you know, 23, which this day and age and women's figure skating is uh, kind of getting up there. Um, so it was, it was about time for me to get going on my, my next journey. Um, but, you know, that the first half of that season, I had had some, uh, some rough events the first like two events that i did but you know things really kind of took a turn for the better um and i had meddled at my challenger series event which was very exciting um and very cool as well because i was uh evgeny had ended up going to that event with me and so it was great to be there with him and then also um danielle o'brien was there uh with she and Greg were had a junior dance team at the time mm-hmm. and they were competing. So Danny was there with me. And then um, Sergey's daughter, Anna, who skates for Great Britain, she's now doing Paris for Great Britain, um, was there competing as well. And so Evgeny got to meet Anna, which was very cool. Um, and Anna and I, she had spent a lot of time over uh in the u.s with her dad off and on while i was training with him and so it was great to see her again and kind of have her there and it was yeah it was it was a very fun event and just kind of meddling and skating as well as i did there was a huge you know the cherry on top um and you know felt good going to nationals had a decent nationals and then like the week that i was supposed to leave for four continents I did a triple toe and something felt a little bit funky in my left ankle and kind of all the muscles up through my calf Mm -hmm. got really tight. So like my soleus and gastroc all kind of locked up Mm -hmm. and I was like, okay, I'll get PT when I get to four cots. It's in Anaheim. There'll be good PTs there that I can work with. I'll get through. It'll be fine. Yeah. And did my short program. It was okay. Um, I didn't do a triple toe in that program, so my foot wasn't really bothering me. 
next morning, I skated on my practice and had an okay practice. And I wasn't doing many triple toes because it was definitely bothering whatever was going on in my lower left extremity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I was like, okay, Evgeny, I'm going to do one more triple toe out of like the other entry and then I'm going to do one more triple loop and I'm going to spin and then we're done. And he was like, okay, good plan. So I go for that triple toe uh-huh. and I remember I circled because someone was where I wanted to jump. Uh-huh. And so I went back and I was like, okay, let's go for it again. And so I went for it again. I picked and then it felt like I didn't have a foot. And I was like, yep, that would be my Achilles and it is no longer there. Uh, don't you know you, you can't ever say one more, just one more. It's yes. Like jinx, yeah. right? You can't. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, I learned that the hard way. So I tried to put weight on it and promptly fell over, I think, and then pulled myself back up, pushed along the wall until I got over to the boards and attempted to step on it again, fell over, and I think I was dragged off the ice by Tom Zakrajek and Tammy Gamble. Oh, jeez. Um, and that was it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I just remember that, like, very vividly, that, yeah, no, it didn't, that, that, it's yeah. gone. Like, oh, it's gone. Yeah, yep. that's tough. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it was, it wasn't one of those injuries where it's like, okay, I'm just going to try to push through, it was like, no, I can't even step on my foot. Like, oh, yeah, we're done. Yeah, no way. No we're done. So, uh, yeah, it was definitely not the way I had hoped the event would go. I definitely had a shot at making the world team that season. Um, and so that was that was disappointing because um, I really had hoped to kind of finish my career off at Worlds. Um but it ended and it would, it would, I think it helps that I knew that like it was coming to an end anyway. Um, but it was, it was frustrating and a bit it was upsetting of course. Um, but at the same time, there really wasn't anything I could do about it other than focus on, you know, figuring out how to walk again. Yeah. Um, so I was very lucky um, and had knew a great orthopedic surgeon here in the DFW area who had worked with me the season before with my um, stress fracture. And I think we got back from four cons on Monday. On Tuesday, I went in for an MRI. And on Friday, uh, he operated on my Achilles. And then I was in... Uh, I was non-weight bearing for six weeks. Um, then I finally started walking again early April. Um, and I was back on the ice by the end of April. So it was it was super quick considering that, you know, I think my surgery was on February 15th and I was back on the ice by April 19th. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, there was a my PTs down here, um, probably the best PTs I've ever worked with. Uh, he was phenomenal. Um, and I owe a lot to him in terms of me being able to basically do what I can do again. Um, I still don't, I'm in dance blades now because of dance, which uh, I love the apex dance blades. If anyone's wondering, I, <laughs> honestly feel way better in them than I ever did in my freestyle blades, which is kind of hysterical. Uh, But so I don't jump a ton. I do on occasion. I have done up through double axle in my dance blades. Um, I don't recommend it. (laughs) Still impressive. nonetheless. Yes. Um, So, you know, I've done doubles. I don't necessarily know if my foot could do like a triple toe again, but that's okay. I'm cool with that. I mean, you, you've had definitely a pretty illustrious, uh, career and, and even post career again, like what we talked about earlier, your accomplishments on the ice stand side, it just always never ceases to amaze me what you've been able to do. And I hope you continue to in that respect too. Um, yeah. What, uh, 
if you could sum it up and look back, you know, 15 years ago, uh, 20 years ago, uh, what would you tell a little Brook Lee that's, that's up and coming and, you know, maybe, uh, know about that axle. That's a tough one. You know, what, what would, what piece of advice do you have? Um, I think I'm very stubborn as a person. Um, and I think that has, you know, it's pros and cons, but I think one of the big pros is that it means that I will work at something until I get it. And, just really knowing that you know if i set my mind to something that i can do it and i can make it happen and kind of just enjoying the journey um there are definitely times where i wish i had absorbed more or um kind of taken time to smell the roses per se a bit more um but you know just kind of enjoy the journey and stay the course and you know if you work hard you'll get there you'll get where you want in the end no i love it that's uh that's perfect couldn't have said it any other way (laughs) uh i think we've been going for about an hour now so uh i unless you have anything else i appreciate you coming on and always a pleasure catching up with you whether it be over the phone or in person uh always love hanging out with you and your mom at the rink so i hope you guys do at least plan on staying around dallas for a little bit we can keep coming out to visit yes no it's always it's always great to to see you and i've always appreciated your help with my boots over the years and now with some of my kids so uh yeah i appreciate that Mm -hmm. thanks for hopping on that was that was fun Yeah. yeah thank you for having me Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to this week's episode of Beyond the Rink with Brooklyn Hahn. I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays. On behalf of Mitch and I, we're excited to continue our momentum uh, through the end of the year and on into 2021. Everybody stay safe and see you next week. <laughs>